Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. This podcast is the first in a three-podcast series covering UFOs, the paranormal, and Christians and Halloween. This podcast will delve into UFOs and extraterrestrial aliens. And now let's join the conversation. Well, it's going to be an interesting discussion today because... You know, Halloween is right around the corner, and we go into the stores, and you're seeing all the ghosts and goblins and demons and all the kind of paranormal stuff and all that kind of uh, what I would consider a lot of ungodliness that's out there. And so what we're going to do for today's podcast is we're going to start kind of a three-part series on all things paranormal. Uh, this week, we're going to talk specifically about UFOs, space aliens from a Christian perspective. Uh, next week, we'll get into ghosts and how as Christians do we understand that whole thing. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about Halloween itself and a Christian response to Halloween. But today, we're going to talk specifically about UFOs and space aliens and the idea of life on other planets. Uh, there was a story – Some of you may have seen this in the news recently that a former NASA scientist says that he believes back in the 1970s that a test that they did on soil samples shows that there really is life on Mars at the microscopic level, bacterial level and such. Now, NASA says, no, that's not true. It's just chemical reactions that mimicked what life could do. But it does beg that question, is there in fact life on other planets? So I thought we would dive into this discussion today. And so, uh, Neil, Roger, John, let's throw this out there on the table. Uh, And Neil, let me start with you. There is a perception among a lot of people, including many Christians, that there's got to be life out there on other planets. Uh, What is your general thought on that? Well, I... Like most people, I think, have wondered the same thing at some point. You know, the the universe is a big place, and I don't think any of us can even comprehend exactly how big it is. So there must be other – well, there are, we know there's other planets even within our own galaxy. So if there are other planets, could there be life somewhere? And it's – I don't know. I think it's a reasonable question to ask. But I also believe that if we as Bible-believing Christians know and understand that the God of the universe has revealed himself to us in his word – and has told us what we need to know about life and creation and death and the fall and redemption and all that stuff, that the Bible needs to be our starting point for something like this rather than starting with news reports or what science has to say and then try to look backwards and see if it fits the biblical mm-hmm. narrative. So, I don't know, I, uh, I think it's a reasonable question, but I'm fascinated uh, by the topic in the sense that, it's, by the way, it's not one that I've ever really talked about on the air before. So I'm glad that we're going to get a chance to do it in this podcast. And I want to see what you guys have to say, but I also want to say that my starting point for all of this is the Word of God itself. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion, to say the least. Well, well, let's let the Word of God be the starting point here, then, because there's a lot of different places we can go with this. And I want to have the discussion about the vastness of the universe and the, maybe the mathematics of this or whatever. But what about Scripture? And, Roger, let me toss this over to you. Uh, would there be anything unbiblical about the idea of life on other planets. And and quite frankly, I don't believe that there's life on other planets. I do not believe there is personally. I got my reasons for that. We'll talk about that maybe more in a little bit. Uh, But what if there were life on other planets? Is there anything scripturally that tells us one way or the other? Well, I don't know about scripturally telling us that there is life on other planets, but if we use the Bible as the inerrant word of God as our frame of reference, you look at Genesis 1, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what, that's our frame of reference. You know, we start from there. Biblical creation, the creation of human life, plant life, animal life, everything that we have here. And you see that God was very intentional in terms of creating that. Now, I don't see anything in Scripture, though it is fascinating to wonder, maybe there is life on other planets because we keep discovering all these other planets, these all these other galaxies. But the idea that they're they're inhabited, that that's... That's a bit of a stretch for me, and I, I, I don't want to you know, completely step away from the argument and say, nah, it's above my pay grade, I can't handle it. But uh, that's one where, being a non-scientific guy, I, I don't 
typically speculate whether or not there is. I mean, it is kind of fun, you know, when you see like a movie or a sci-fi novel or something, and they, they speculate and wonder what it would be like if it is. But I, do, I don't know that the science is settled. I just haven't seen enough data that indicates that, uh, you know, we have any sort of biblical proof that there is. And so that's, I'm using that as my guideline for this conversation, but I'm willing to listen to what you guys are sharing that might uh, counter that. John, what do you think? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and well said, John. Next week. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, we actually do talk about this someone on my show more in a, you know, uh, fun, jabbing, you know, uh, you know uh, conspiracy sort of a way, you know, as much as anything, we just have a good time with it. But no, I, I, I am not somebody that believes there's any life on any other planets. I think that uh, my, my own feeling on this, and, you know, we'll talk more about this as we go through on the, you know, scripture side of the fence. But to me personally, I just look at it on a common sense side of the fence and say, you know, there's nothing in scripture that would indicate there's anything else. I don't know, you know, I don't know why, you know, God would even do something along those lines. To me, just common sense wise, it just, it doesn't make any sense for there to be another whole, you know, inhabitation of, of another planet with who knows what kind of, cre- you know, creatures on it. I mean, I've heard things like, well, there could be a whole other Earth just like this somewhere else where it's still perfect and sin didn't enter into that particular world and so on and so forth. And, I, you know, guys, I just don't – to me, that's a stretch, and I don't, I don't buy any of that. Sure. Well, and uh, I'll give you kind of my take on this, and I've talked about this on my show before as well. Uh, the point that Roger was making, which is a very good point, that God created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So at the time of God's creation, if he created life on other planets, if he created, we'll say, intelligent life or anything like that on some other planet, it would be at that time. Now, I happen to be a biblical creationist. I don't believe the universe is 13.8 billion years old. I believe that everything is about 6,000 years old. And I have not only biblical reasons, but scientific reasons for believing that. And so if God created life on other planets, he would have created them about 6,000 years ago. So first of all, we have to determine that in 6,000 years' time, they would have to be intelligent enough to be able to make spacecraft to travel to here uh, to, to explain the UFO things or whatever. But to me, here's my big problems biblically with this. No, Scripture doesn't say definitively that God did not create life on other planets, and he's God if he wants to, he can. But it does seem like it would be inconsistent with the nature of God's relationship with humanity. We see that he created man, humans, on this planet in his image and likeness. And so there's obviously a, a specialness about humanity in, in God's creation. Uh, you add to that that we're told that he created the heavens and the stars and such for us to behold his glory. So the purpose is for us to see the glory of God in the universe, not to be the neighborhood for other beings. But then there is the issue of sin. We're told that sin infected all of creation, that all of creation groans as a result of what happened in the Garden of Eden. So it's not like when the astronauts were on the moon, hey, we're not on the earth anymore, so we're removed from the fall. No, the whole universe is, which means that uh, the the aliens in the gamma quadrant, they would have, uh, you know, they would have. Well, but the truth is, Belzadar out there in the gamma quadrant, he would be in need of a savior as well. So, did Jesus go out there to die for the Vulcans and say, "Live long and prosper"? I don't, I don't believe so, because Scripture says Jesus died once and for all. So, did Jesus what he did uh, on this earth? Did that therefore cover the sins? of the Klingons and the Romulans and such. No, that wouldn't seem to make sense to me. So if Jesus didn't go there and die, does that mean that that those other worlds would not be affected by sin? Well, if that's the case, then Scripture is wrong because all of creation was affected by the garden. And if all of creation is affected, then that means sin has entered those worlds as well. And if the, would God then therefore not provide a means of reconciliation to him for those beings. I have a hard time believing that, especially if they're intelligent beings smart enough to make spacecraft to maybe get here. Uh, it would seem that God would not create them and give them no means of reconciliation unto him. So to me, nothing makes sense biblically about God creating life on other planets. He's God. He can do it if he wants to. But Neil, let me toss this back over to you. Uh, 
if God chooses to do that, that's fine. That's his business. But I'm just saying I would be surprised if he created life on other planets because it doesn't seem consistent with what we understand biblically about his unique and special relationship with humanity. Well, I know the Word of God tells us that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness, and I think that also applies to our understanding of what we can understand because obviously some of the things God does are high, you know, his ways are higher than ours, and his, um, his ways are past finding out. So I think there's a lot that we need to look at when we consider a question like this, but to kind of go back to something earlier. And by the way, Bob, uh, number one, uh, let me just tell you guys, I'm not a sci-fi guy. I'm not into Star Wars. So some of the words you're using, I'm like scratching my head. I have no clue about. But to just make one quick point, uh, uh, for instance, uh, You don't know who the Romulans are is what you're saying, right? Basically, just you don't know who the (laughs) Romulans and Vulcans are. Okay, got it. No no idea. Uh, but Genesis one sixteen says, you know, that, that God made the stars also. But what, what we see in the early part of Genesis is that he created the heavens and the earth, singular. Right. And then later, you know, that the sun, the moon, the stars were created for the purpose of giving us signs and seasons and days right. and years. That there's a purpose for their creation, but he doesn't mention life on other planets. And just so you know, Bob, when I was listening to you, I was thinking about there's at least like 10 issues that we could dig into here just based on what you said the fall of man and all of that and where it fits in. So we're going to continue that for sure, but I understand that we need to take a break. So let's do that. We'll be back to talk more about aliens and UFOs on this edition of the National Crawford Roundtable. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthfullife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth for Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. All right, we're back again talking about an issue that I personally, Neil Boron from Buffalo, New York, uh, and WDCX Radio have never discussed on the air. Uh, uh, Let me take that back. I know that we got into it once with uh, Gary Bates of the Creation Institute and also Ken Ham one time, but not as like a major topic. But I think it's fascinating because a lot of people believe that there are UFOs even within the church or that there are alien beings or that there could be. Mm. And so people are open to that possibility. I think it's wise that we're addressing these things. But let me just go back to something that that you said earlier, you know, the idea, could Jesus have died for aliens? And I would say the answer to that is no, for this reason. Uh, He came to earth and took on the form of a human. He became man so that he could redeem fallen man. He didn't become man-alien, so he could redeem fallen man-aliens. So uh, I think that's something we have to look at, because the Bible does address that issue clearly, that he is both God and man. And I don't know how else you guys would, or what else you guys would want to add to that, but I think that right there is an issue that we need to look at. In other words, is it possible that Jesus was dying for fallen beings all over the universe? And I'd say no, only here on Earth. Right. It it doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, One of the things that I— Guys, real quick, though, the argument argument could come back, just to be devil's advocate. What if there's another Earth someplace else in a foreign galaxy where sin didn't enter into that particular world, then Christ would not have to come and redeem them? Okay, but then Scripture would be wrong when it says that all of creation groans well, as a result that, of the fall. Or is it just talking about our creation here and not that one? Well, I'm just being devil's advocate. I don't, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> well, but, it, no, you know. I, under, I understand that, and I think that's a fair question. But then I have to say, all means all. I mean, what does all then mean? Do all does of it creation mean all just us here? Okay. Well, if all only means us here, then that means when the astronauts were on the moon, that they were removed from the fall. And if they're removed from the fall, then I would have to ask, why is it that we see part of the fall is the degradation and breaking down and decaying of uh, of matter of energy, uh, not to get all scientific here, but the no, second agreed. law of thermodynamics yeah. and, yes. and, and the, the increasing in entropy and the decaying toward chaos and degradation and ultimate death, we see this not just here on planet Earth, but we see it everywhere around the entire universe. We see that agreed. the stars uh, themselves are, are expending energy and dying out. We see that things are, in fact, slowing down throughout the universe. So we do see and we can observe throughout the entire universe the effect of the fall in the Garden of Eden in that, uh, in that there is a loss of energy toward ultimate death 
that's taking place. So everything in the entire universe is slowly on a path to death, and we're watching that happen. So I would say you know, that in, the, in the, all quick, of creation Robert, is not just Earth. What's interesting about that is when you say that and you think about all of the – and I know, Neil, you haven't seen a lot of them, but you see all the sci-fi movies. It's interesting, It's interesting, Bob, that all of the sci-fi movies agree with what you just said as well, which is really interesting. Right. No, it's true. Now, but here's what I'll hear, though, because uh, I've heard this from a lot of people. Well, come on, look at the vastness of the universe. I mean, the the millions and billions and trillions. We don't even know how many trillions of stars and planets there might even be. Which, by the way, I do have to say, isn't it interesting that uh, at the time that the Bible was written over the last few thousand years, uh, they used to be able to measure the amount of stars in the sky. You could see how many there were, but we're told in Scripture that the amount of stars are immeasurable. At the time the Bible was written, that didn't really make sense to people because it was like we can count how many stars there are. Nobody had any idea that there was uh, stars beyond what the naked eye could see, let alone an immeasurable amount. Yet here we are, 2019, Hubble telescope, and we still have no clue how many trillions of of stars that there are. Uh, right. But what about the what about the vastness issue here? I, I mean, people do say, is why would God have trillions and trillions and trillions of planets out there that we can't even see if He's not going to have life on them? Seems like a waste of a bunch of universal space. Because it shows the power of God. Mm-hmm. No, and the vastness of God and the glory of God. Right, That's all right. of it. Right, well, and the because I said so of God, you know, when you right. get right down to it, we were created right. for His pleasure. I mean, it doesn't sound terribly scientific, but I mean, there are a lot of parenting principles. There, there's a lot between us and God, where God does this because God did it. Right. God created the heavens and the earth because He wanted to. God created us for fellowship with Him, and we screwed it up. So we get, we get right down to it, you know, in terms of the redemption of what's happening and the discoveries. And this is I'm I'm with Neil. I'm not a sci-fi movie guy, not a book guy, whatever. I did recognize the Vulcan reference earlier, but other than that, that's just because I've heard people talking about it. <laughs> Vulcans and but, Klingons, you know, most people. Whatever. Know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I think we do. But, right. but but in all honesty, when you look at the, the biblical account and look at the great organizations, I heard Ken's ha- Ken Ham's name mentioned earlier, and and uh, you know I think about Stephen Meyer and the guys at the Discovery Institute. The uh, the idea that we are still discovering planets is fascinating to me. Still discovering mm-hmm. stars, fascinating to me. But I don't expect them to be inhabited. I just, I'm I'm still in awe and wonder at the fact that we've got we've got satellites that are going back and forth that strong. Right. Oh, I know. Well, and for people who say that, uh, well, why would God have all of these planets out there that we can't discover, we can't see, we can't? Well, wait a minute here. If look at the microscopic level, the things that we discover now with electron microscopes, the 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 complexity and design and the fingerprint of God's creative beauty and and wonder has been invisible to the naked eye for most of the last 6,000 years, and we're just now seeing a bunch of that stuff. It was there, uh, but not visible to us until we developed the technology to see it. But no matter how powerful our microscopes get, we are never going to get to the end at a, at a quantum level, a microscopic level of God's creative glory. Just like no matter how big our telescopes get, we're never going to be able to get to the end of God's creative glory. So to me, the vastness of the universe, yeah, it points to the, it points to the awesomeness of God. And one of the, I'll throw out a quick example. One of the examples I've used with my listeners before who bring this up is if I take a grain of sand on a beach and I put that grain of sand under a microscope and with a micro laser, I etch the name Bob on that grain of sand and I toss it back onto a beach. Is there any reason that I should believe that there are other grains of sand with Neil etched on it or Roger or John or anybody? The answer is going to be no, of course. Well, what about the vastness of the beach and all these trillions of grains of sand? No, we recognize that if it takes intelligence to etch a name on there, just like it takes God to put life on another planet, the vastness of the universe is irrelevant. We have trillions of grains of sand on this planet, just like God in a larger scale has trillions of giant grains of sand called planets uh, all throughout the entire universe. It's us beholding his creative glory. There's no reason for us to believe 
that there's life on other planets, it would require God to create them uh, anyway. And that, that, to me, is something that we just, you know, we, we, we can't well, dismiss. So Can I just jump in, yeah. too? Because the flip side to that coin, uh, first of all, I totally agree. It, it speaks of the glory, the vastness, the enormity of God, which is incomprehensible. So in a way, talking about it, it even falls short because we just, mm-hmm. there are really no words to describe what, what you're describing. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, it also says something about God's love for us in that not only did he create earth for a special purpose and put humans on it to, uh, to be created in his image and reflect his glory, but that he knows us as individuals by name because, you know, there's six billion people on this planet or whatever. And I don't know how many have lived over the course of all of human history. It's, it's a lot, a lot of people. But that he would know each one of us by name before he even formed us in our mother's womb uh, also speaks of the immense magnitude of God's love for each one of us. So there's a there's a lot to embrace there, not just how big God is, but how big his love for us is, I think is another issue that we need to look at when we talk about something like this. No, I think that's an excellent point. And we're going to continue this discussion uh, in just a little bit. We're going to talk as well about what what about non-intelligent life? Might God have just put plant life or vegetation on other planets. Now, what do we do with the whole UFO issue? We've got a lot more to get to as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast in just a minute. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford broadcasting station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener-supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. As we continue here on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, myself, Bob Duco, Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush. So, guys, the idea of intelligent life being on other planets – I think we are pretty much in agreement. It doesn't seem to make sense biblically that God would have done that. I would argue there's a logistical scientific problem as well uh, in this. But what about non-intelligent life? No, Jesus didn't go to die for the Klingons, okay? So we know that there's not intelligent life out there. But might God have decorated some of the planets out there in the universe with vegetation, grass and plants and trees and such. And so, uh, therefore, there's not intelligent life, but maybe God decorated them. Now, personally, I don't believe that, but there are some people who believe that that's possible. Uh, John, let me toss it over to you. What do you think? No, I don't don't think so. I mean, I think because to have have that, and I'm I'm by no means a scientist, but I think I have enough of a brain and common sense to know that for that to happen, it would have to be inhabitable by humans because you can't have plant life and not have the ability to have human beings live there as well because the way the, the CO2 and the oxygen and everything has to work in, cord, in, you know, in, in conjunction with one another to make plant life happen, you'd have to have a, a, a planet that's inhabitable. And I think we've proven and, and are going to continue to prove, that's the thing I think science is going to continue to prove, is A, God's handiwork, and B, the fact that there isn't any other planets out there that are inhabitable. This is it. We're, we're, we're on the big blue Earth. This is the inhabitable planet, and I... I I just don't believe there's anything else out there like what we have here, again, to show God's handiwork of what's here on Earth. What do you think, Roger? Might there be some plants and vegetation out there but not intelligent life? I highly doubt it, and for the same reasons John talked about. Um, If God chose to, that's entirely up to him. And we can identify the planets themselves, but you're right. There'd have to be some kind of give and take. There'd have to be some kind of exchange. When we talk about plant and animal life, everything works together here on Earth because God made it that way. So... Why put the plant life there that it wouldn't necessarily have the same exchange going on with the different animals and, and of course, human beings to, to create the whole thing? I, I like God's created order here on Earth, and I don't see how you could re- take a part of it and put it on another planet and say, well, that's going to be just fine. I mean, I realize God has that you know caveat. He could do that if he wanted to. But I, I don't see it happening. And I, I realize that a lot of people, as we kind of move away from a, a God-centered, biblical-focused uh, uh structure here in this country where people aren't thinking in terms of that being the 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 way that we form our values and our our morals i can see why people would make that up 
would be very interesting to them, but I don't see any basis for it. Yeah, not to mention the fact that uh, it goes back to the fall in the Garden of Eden. If all of creation is affected, that means that those plants and vegetation, they would be dying uh, on that planet as well, and there would be some kind of a... Uh, regenerative system, regenerative system, I suppose, on that planet. But I don't see any reason why God would do something like that in the first place that would do nothing more than give ammunition to the atheists who try to argue that life can spontaneously generate on planets if you have water or the right atmosphere or something like that. Uh, it seems as though God would be doing something that would serve to strengthen the arguments of the atheists who tried to deny his existence. And so I, nothing about that seems to to make sense uh, to me, quite frankly. So, uh, all right, so at this point then, uh, gentlemen and Neil, I suppose uh, we're somewhat in agreement here that God is God, he can do what he wants to, but based on what we read in Scripture and based on our understanding of the nature of God, there's no logical or biblical reason to believe that God would have created life intelligent or non-intelligent on any other planets. Yeah, and to go back to the question you asked the other two guys but didn't ask me, uh, I want to, you know, do I believe... He's not bitter. (laughs) No, I'm not bitter, man. It's all right, man. It's all right. I'll I'll stop the hate. I'll stop the hate. (laughs) Do I think there's there's plants or, you know, plant life? Oh, yeah. uh, Non-intelligent life on other planets. Uh, To steal a line from John Rush, no. Okay, so let's move along. Um, and I, I mean, seriously, uh, I, what was your question again? <laughs> I don't know. It was only something I cared about the other two. I didn't really care what your thought on it was. <laughs> uh, but actually, but Neil, what about that, though? There are people who say, and I've talked to Christians who say, why couldn't God go ahead and decorate some some planets with vegetation okay. and that kind of beauty, as long as he didn't create sentient beings that would be aware of him and in need of a savior, uh, what's the problem with God maybe decorating and wallpapering some of the planets out there? Probably on the one hand, and I'm not saying there is, I'm not agreeing with that concept, but on the one hand, there probably really is no problem. People want to sit around and speculate that maybe on some planet, you know, 400 billion light years from here, that there's an amoeba or something, you know, floating in a pool of goo. I don't know. Like, it's possible that something like that would exist. But I think if if it was there, that God would have told us about it, that we're not alone in this sense, or that life doesn't exist elsewhere. But I think what the Bible does address is how special his creation is here on Earth and the length that he went to to reflect his glory in what he created here. And so all I'm, I guess what I want to bring it around to is the idea that all of this represents a huge distraction. And I just think that, you know, uh, I, I don't know, the, there's many opportunities for people to look at all kinds of things except God. And what I'm most concerned about is the time people spend trying to figure all this out. And right. maybe we're all guilty of it for having an entire podcast focused on this. But, you know, just the idea that... Uh, it, it seems like human beings who don't want to acknowledge God's presence or existence or the idea that we're accountable to him will do anything possible to look in every other direction right. and, uh, and latch on to every other distraction possible in order to uh, to not have to look at God himself. Yeah, you know I what? I, I think that's an excellent point, though, Neil, because you're right. We, we end up in a society, so many people do this, they're chasing some kind of, uh, some kind of interest to draw right. them away from God and what Scripture says. And that's why that's, I, I think we, we, we need to recognize, of course, that God's Word is the ultimate authority, and there is nothing wrong or unbiblical about the idea of the entire universe being created by God for us to behold His glory and for our purposes. But uh, we're going to continue in this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. In the next half an hour, we're going to specifically talk about UFOs, UFO sightings, Area 51. As Christians, how do we answer all of those types of issues? And that's all coming up in the second half of this podcast. And don't forget, you can get the National Crawford Roundtable podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. You can also find it online at CrawfordBroadcasting.com. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco, talking right now about, as part of our paranormal series, space aliens, is there life out there? 
So, guys, let's talk about the issue of UFOs, if we could. First of all, when someone asks me, Bob, do you believe in UFOs? I say, well, technically, yes, in that UFO stands for unidentified flying objects. So are there flying objects that are unidentified? Yes. Uh, Neil, if you take off your shoe and throw it at me, but I don't know what that was. I was like, what was that? That was a UFO. Okay. It was an unidentified flying. As soon as I identify it, oh, that's Neil's shoe. Okay. Now it's an IFO. It's an identified flying object. So yes, uh, I believe in UFOs. The question then becomes, what are these UFOs? And are they in fact space aliens from another planet visiting us. Uh, Neil, let me start with you. I mean, what's your take on the UFO sightings? I don't, I don't believe in UFOs, except in the way you described right, it, the sure. idea that there are things we can't identify. I, I just think there are things that we have yet to identify um, or don't understand, but are there beings coming here in flying saucers from other places and flying around for a while and then taking off again? No, I don't believe it. I don't think there's any biblical evidence or, you know, biblical support for such a concept. And I think there's zero scientific support. There's speculation. You know, there's people that love to dream that maybe such a thing is possible. But some of the things that have been at one point purported to be UFOs were later, you know, found out to be objects that the military was utilizing or uh, weird, you know, fireballs of lightning in the sky and stuff that, the, in other words, they could be explained. And, and the others, I think, are yet to be explained. And then there's the possibility that there's demonic activity or some kind of spirit world activity, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But no, I, if, if what we're implying is that there's like in Star Trek, you know, beans coming here from other places to visit us and then taking off again, I'd say no. All right. And Roger, what do you think that the UFO sightings that people see, some of those videos uh, tend to be otherworldly in some cases and, and paranormal and such. What's your take on the quote-unquote, UFO sightings? Well, it's interesting because I know so many people want to believe. I mean, out here, if there's a military test going on where they're trying to, you know, send some kind of apparatus up in the air, people see a beam of light and all the freeways shut down. They just, you know, what was that? And we didn't know. And that was a test. Uh, I know that if Neil threw a shoe at me, I'd be ducking for cover. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's very, very real. And I'm sure that would inflict a lot of pain. But, but in all honesty... Uh, we're here by an airport here at the K-Bright Studios for uh, KBRT in the bottom line. And uh, John Wayne Airport's right there. So planes are landing all the time. And it's amazing to see how most people will recognize a regular airplane. But if they see a light that doesn't quite look like an airplane, again, people stop and they look and they wonder. And I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that people, you know, there's, first of all, there's a, a kind of carnal belief that this is happening. Um, it, I don't believe in it. I mean, I honestly don't. But I'm intrigued by the fact that there are so many people who are looking and wondering. You know, and, and with videos now, my goodness, we all know how the media can be documented. You can create just about anything you want to have that will give people the impression that this is there. But uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't buy it. But I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the fascination that people have with it. John, how do you assess the UFO sightings? Uh, much like you guys, I believe that. Yes, there are, you know, what, what folks would say are unidentified flying objects. I think if we look at, you know, to you guys' point, military testing and things along those lines, I think a lot of those things can easily be explained. I mean, I am probably the utmost skeptic when it comes to everything from, you know, people claiming you know, ghosts, and which I know we're going to talk about in the future, paranormal activity, you know, things along those lines. I think a lot of people can imagine Certain things even. I know videos can be doctored. I mean, even even in the old days, you know, you could doctor up things to make them look about like anything you wanted to. So I, I am not a guy that believes in any kind of a flying object from outer space where, you know, some other planet sends some life from here and some spaceship to, you know, check us out. I, right. I don't believe in any of that. I do believe there is a, a lot of military projects going on. And frankly, guys, uh, I don't think the general public needs to know about all those. I, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, national defense and keeping us one step ahead of all the other countries. And if we want to be in a free country and stay that way, I think we need to allow the military to do some things along those lines that we don't always have to know about. And I'm okay with that. Sure. True. But let me jump in for a second, because like a cat chasing its tail, what you just said, I, by the way, I fully agree with, but it also feeds conspiracy theorists who say, well, the reason you're saying that is because you know that the government is covering up something. And there's no way to disprove that. So it just sort of self-perpetuates. And people, 
see what they want to see in the sky yes. or they hear yes. what they want to hear in an argument like this one. All right. Now, let me – And you're right about that. I, 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 Neil, I would agree with that. And I, and I – unfortunately, I think it does perpetuate some of that. But – Again, I think, you know, we got to go back to what we just talked about in the last half hour, which if you're listening to this podcast now, you should have heard all of that up to this point anyways, where we talked about, you know, the Lord and how all this works in, in regards to creation and scripture and so on. And if you take all of that into account and then we start talking about UFOs, I, what I, where I struggle with, guys, is where, you know, known good, solid Christian, you know, believers that I know are believers that also believe in you know, UFOs and alien life. I, I just struggle with that because it's like, wait a minute, what, you're not reading the same scripture I am. <laughs> right. Now, here's one of the issues, though, that I want to throw out here on the table, okay? And by the way, I agree with you guys' assessment on this. In my honest opinion, I believe that the overwhelming majority of UFO sightings are some kind of natural thing where it could be an experiment, it could be a helicopter, it could be whatever. People look at that and then their imagination ends up filling in the gap. And before you know it, they've told the story ten times and they've created more than was really there. Uh, that's mm-hmm. honestly what I believe it is the overwhelming majority of the time. But not 100% of the time. I do believe that there are some UFO-type phenomena that take place that – defy the laws of physics in a way that it cannot have a natural explanation, which then begs the question, what do we do in those cases? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you folks about uh, an experience that I had, all right, because I – here's what happened with me. I was a teenager and I was living on a farm and I don't know why this stuff always happens on farms, uh, but it it happened Real quick, Bob, last – a couple of weeks ago, you told us about you smoked a lot of marijuana back then. <laughs> well, this is that true. That wasn't around this the same true. time, was it? What kind of farm was this, Bob? Actually, yeah. I wasn't. No, I, I hadn't. I hadn't started smoking pot yet. Okay, I was a younger <laughs> okay. teenager. I didn't start smoking pot till I was about seventeen, eighteen. Okay, God, uh, well, hang on. I'm going to I'm going to grab a pen and take notes because this might explain a lot. But go ahead. Yeah, I know. Tell, yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Uh, but anyway, so but here's here's what happened. Okay, I was I was a teenager. I was living on this farm with my uh, brother Mike, and my step brother Robbie was his name and my mom and my stepdad and we lived on this farm uh, in Ohio and it was a dairy farm so anyway it's about 1030 at night and I go I'm walking the dog I take the dog out to go to the bathroom it's dark outside and I'm standing outside and he's you know going around sniffing around or whatever and guys I was not drinking I was not doing drugs I was not anything like this at all okay I was a 15 year old kid Uh, suddenly everything went white And when I say white, I mean like bright white. I couldn't see anything. Couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Nothing. And this lasted for probably about five seconds. And I was totally freaking out. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then the white light went away. And I'm, what? And and I look around and I look up in the sky. And there's there's no good way to say this, guys. I, I was looking at some stereotypical kind of cigar shaped, uh, but it was an elongated, craft of some kind and it looked like it was probably about up cloud level and and it had red and white lights on it and i'm just standing there with my jaw open going no way am i looking at this uh and i i sat there and i just stared at it for probably about 10 seconds now the size of this was probably if you take your your arm and you if you take your your finger we'll say your your forefinger and you hold it straight up over your head so that your arm is straight and look at about the size of your finger in relation to the, the, the sky above you, it would probably be about the size of my finger if my arm were stretched forward. But it had red and white lights on it. And I was sitting there staring at that thing for about 10 seconds. Anyway, then it took off over the horizon. And it took off so fast. Uh, sorry for the uh, Star Trek reference here again, guys, but it was like warp nine. Okay, uh, it was so fast. It was just, and, and it was beyond what any laws of physics would allow. And it didn't pick up speed. It just instantly moved that fast. Uh, and I was like, no way. I just saw that. All right, but I did. Now I have to ask myself: Is it was my imagination creating things? Could a helicopter or a jet? hover over me like that and then take off in literally about one one one-hundredth of a second so fast beyond the horizon? No. So now what do I do if I cannot come up with a natural explanation for that? 
then it's got to be somehow supernatural, which then begs the question, would it be God or would it be the devil? And quite frankly, in cases like that, I believe, and I don't know this for sure, but I believe that this was a demonic manifestation and that this is part of the bag of tricks that the devil does with some people to create these kind of paranormal UFO-type images. In some cases, like this one, most of them are just something natural and people's imagination created more than there was. But in some cases where it's not possible according to the laws of physics – I think this is a devil using manipulation to try to get us into believing and chasing after life on other planets and steering us away from God and his word. Now, that's my personal take on that. Roger, let me toss it over to you. What's your take on that? and How do you explain something like what I saw? Well, there are so many different possibilities here, and we're going to take a break. And on the other side of this break, we'll uh, we'll start digging into these as we're talking about UFOs and the paranormal here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Well, guys, I, I don't know about you, but Bob, that story was it was really riveting, and I'm, I'm really glad you shared it because uh, not having that same frame of reference, I kept thinking the whole time, though, when you mentioned at the end about the demonic presence, potentially, of, you know, this kind of paranormal activity. We haven't really wandered into that yet in terms of the visions people could see and whether or not these things actually exist or whether they are conjured up by the enemy. I mean, let's not discount the fact that there are a lot of people trying to make decisions about whether or not UFOs exist or aliens exist who don't really understand that there is a spiritual warfare going on and a war for their soul. And if they don't understand that, then they're going to try to process it any way they possibly yeah, I'm not saying that you know that you've got a spiritual foundation to draw from, but uh, but I'm intrigued. Have you dug any deeper into the whole spiritual worker side of what you? Yeah, I've I've done a fair amount of fair amount of research into that area, and I, I think we all agree spiritual warfare is real. The devil is certainly real. The devil does have, and his demons do have certain powers. Uh, obviously, they're limited and only what God will allow, but they do have deceptive powers. And next week, we're going to be talking about that a lot more when we get into the issue of ghosts and haunted houses and so forth. But if the devil does have the ability to create or manifest certain types of images, then it seems to me that it would be consistent with the devil to put this in his bag of tricks to try to deceive people, to develop in people an interest in all things paranormal and chasing after life on other planets and whatever. Because the more you're doing that, the more we're being drawn away from God and his word. And so I, I see it as a demonic distraction. But I must, I must ask myself, if it is not that, what is the alternative? Because there is a certain logic in this that is it God? Would God do something like this to deceive people? I don't think so at all. Then what is the option? Is it in the natural? There is no natural explanation for this. It defies the laws of physics. So now what am I left with? It's either Belzadar from the Gamma Quadrant. It's God playing tricks on us or it's the devil playing tricks on us. Uh, If the option of some kind of natural government experiment or whatever is eliminated – the laws of physics eliminates that. I'm left with one of those other three options. So to me, process of elimination, there is not an additional option unless any of you guys can throw one out. And I mean, so John, what do you, unless there's some other option to this, John, I can't think of one other than by default, it's got to be demonic trickery. That or, and as you were talking, I just went ahead and Googled, it's interesting, I just Googled, you know, cigar shaped military, you know, flying object or military object, things along those lines. And, and there are, you know, multiple, multiple sightings. And, you know, you have to wonder, are these real sightings? Are they people imagining things and so on? But there are literally hundreds and hundreds of sightings on the type of object that you actually described. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have to ask yourself, you know, is that a continuation of what you're describing as a, you know, demonic appearance? Or is it, in fact, some, 
you know, super secret military, you know, uh, you know, craft that they've been developing now for years. And, and I, and again, I don't have the answers to that. I, you know, it, it could be, you know, either or. I, I mean, I'm with you when it comes to physics and, you know, what can a craft actually do? Although we've seen things that the military has developed that, you know, uh, you know, even 50 years ago, most people would have never thought could have been developed. So I'm not going to rule anything out on that side of the fence because things continue to get developed that, that they claimed we never would develop. I mean, there was, there was, you know, there were people back in the day that said, you know, man would never walk on the moon. We'd never, you know, we'd never break the sound barrier. On and on we go. And yet we've accomplished all those things. So I don't want to rule anything out when it comes to certain craft and what the military can do. Well, and I'm, I am going to rule that out in this particular case. And the only reason I say that is because you know, I've got an advantage here. I saw this with my own eyes. And so sure. I know how fast, I know the fraction of a second that that thing went and it was gone over the horizon. The, the, the amount of, I don't know how many hundreds of miles that thing would have had to travel in about one one hundredth of a second and instantly to do it that fast. Uh, no matter what the military comes up with, the military doesn't have the ability to defy the laws of physics. And anything moving that fast would have created a sonic boom. Uh, there would it would have created some kind of uh, friction in the atmosphere. There would have been some kind of a burning uh, issue at play. Not to mention the fact that there is no alloy on Earth. The most the strongest alloy that exists on Earth is tungsten, and tungsten uh, would still vaporize if you tried to move it that quickly. Uh, so I, I just there would need to be some energy source as well to cause it to move. That quickly, and so I, I, to me, the what we know about the laws of physics say that it's just not possible that any man-made object could do what I watched it do with my own eyes. And so, therefore, if we know that there's a devil that tries to trick us and can create images, uh, to me, that's the default I fall back on. Okay, Bob, let me jump in for a second, and I agree with the possibility that it's the devil. And let me also say that the Bible clearly indicates there have been sightings of angels. Demons are fallen angels. So um, if angels can appear to us in some form, and, you know, Hebrews 13 refers to that directly, right. but there's a variety of other places, you know, um, then then demons could, I would suppose, as well. But let me go back to your own experience for a second. And by the way, um, I'm not disputing what you experienced in any way. Uh, but but the term came you, – you mentioned that there is no natural explanation, and you feel like you've come to the end of it. Then later somebody used the term, you know, I, well, you said it. I saw it with my own eyes. I have a friend, um, a very close friend I went to school with, whose dad passed away from Lewy body dementia. And one day they were driving down the street on a highway going like 70 miles an hour, and all of a sudden his dad yelled, look out! And uh, he almost drove off the road because he, you know, reached out and grabbed his arm, kind of thing, and screamed, mm-hmm. "Look out!" Because his dad said, you, "He said what, Dad? What?" And he said, "You didn't see it. You know, there was there was a deer right in front of the car. He ran in front of the car. You didn't see that." And he said, "No, uh, I guess I missed it." But he knew that his dad had hallucinated that experience. It was incredibly real. His dad was shaken. Uh, the whole experience was, you know, unnerving, of course, but. But he saw it with his own eyes. And all I'm saying is that, you know, seizures happen. Uh, I've, I've before had seen white lights in my eyes that I think were sort of like TIA-related kinds of things. And I believe I've had a TIA, a, a mini stroke, in other words. At one point in my life, I had mm-hmm. to be treated for it. So uh, I'm not discounting what you said, but I'm also saying I think there are other natural possibilities that, that could be explored in a situation like that. Oh, and by the way... Um, I did want to ask, was there a sonic boom? No. Did you? Okay. No. Yeah, interesting. There was not a sonic boom. And look, I'm open to the possibility that I hallucinated. I mean, I can't rule that out. But the reason that I don't believe that that was the case was because I stood there for a good 10 seconds with my jaw open, staring at this thing and looking at the lights on it. Above my eyes, and I've just you know, and then it, for it to take off the way that it did, uh, it, it's not like okay, well, this was some kind of astigmatism or, or, or floaters in my eye or something like that. Now, right. the, the the account that you told, the man who saw the deer, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of something like that. Did he actually was there really a deer, and his son just didn't see it, or did he 
uh, was there not actually a deer, and he somehow hallucinated well, a deer? Yeah, I, I, I was I in there, so know. I can't say. But let me just say, let me jump in and, and say that because of his Lewy body dementia, he had multiple experiences like that. Sure. So it wasn't just the one account. I believe he was really seeing something yeah. that didn't exist. So, right. Yeah. Right. Which then begs the question: Is it, you know, is it mathematically possible? That as a 15-year-old kid without dementia, that I happened to see everything go white for about five seconds or so, and then for about 10 seconds stare at a, at a craft, a phys- what appears to be a physical object right. with red and white lights on it for 10 seconds, and then watch it take off? Uh, is it possible that my brain conjured up those images somehow in some kind of neurological mis- misfiring? I suppose that that's possible. The question then becomes, is that really plausible or logical for me to believe that happened, especially as a 15-year-old kid without any dimension problems? So you know, I, I, I tend to think not, John, but I, I do know that this is something that was very real and I, I quote-unquote saw it with my own eyes. And so to me, the logical default assumption is it had to be demonic trickery, especially when we see other anecdotal accounts that people have had sure. and video of some images that seem to defy the laws of physics. Why wouldn't the devil have something like this in his bag of tricks, John? Great question, and let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll discuss that further and find out if Bob, in fact, is crazy right here on the <laughs> well, National <that>. Crawford Roundtable. <laughs> Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. All right, guys, we're back, National Crawford Roundtable. So, so Bob, no, I mean, you're, you're not, I never would say you're crazy. And, you know, in some of these things, I, you know, I, I, I can't say that I have an explanation for it. As I said earlier, I am probably, you know, the utmost skeptic when it comes to these sorts of things, including even, and I know we're going to talk about this in future weeks, even, you know, ghost sightings and paranormal activity and things along those lines. I am, I'll just tell you guys straight up, I am the utmost skeptic when it comes to those things, I, I am still an individual that feels like, you know, can Satan put things, uh, you, you know, in front of certain individuals and make them see certain things that maybe no one else ever does? I, guys, I don't have the answer to that. We can talk about some of that in the future because I, I don't know for sure how that part of it works. And frankly, I'm not sure anybody does. I myself, I, I've never had any type of any of these experiences I mean, we have the Stanley Hotel here in Colorado, which everybody claims is, you know, full of ghosts and so on. I've stayed in the, the same part of the hotel where they claim it's haunted, and I'm just not one of those guys. I don't believe in any of that stuff whatsoever, and I know maybe I'm, I'm out there, and you guys can make fun of me here in the weeks ahead, but I, I think a lot of things get conjured up inside of people's, you know, individual minds. Is that something of, of Satan himself? You guys will have to answer that question. I don't know. Well, uh, and Neil, let me toss this over to you. What do we do in those in those circumstances when we see videotapes of some of these? Are most of them hoaxes, yes. Are most of them people's imagination, yes. But there are some cases where people have described or seen or experienced things that do defy the laws of physics. And to me, it just seems like a safe default to fall back on. This has to be demonic activity. I, I, I do believe that there are people that make things up and their imaginations get away with them. I don't deny that at all. I know that stuff happens, but I don't believe we can discount 100% of these uh, to something like that. And so what do we do with that small remnant that cannot be explained? Uh, to me, the demonic trickery argument is yeah. the only logical place to fall back on. Yeah. Uh, let me just Stir the pot for one second, because right. we're assuming that a vision like that could have been uh, would would only have been demonically inspired. But I'm looking at Isaiah six one, and it says here, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I had a vision of the Lord. 
He was on his throne high above, and his robe filled the temple. Flaming creatures with six wings were flying over him. They covered their faces with two of their wings and their bodies with two more. They used the other two wings for flying as they shouted, Holy, 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 uh, Lord all-powerful. The earth is filled with your glory. God brought visions to mankind as well, and I'm not speculating that God caused that vision, but Bob, you have a desire, a God-given desire within you to get to the bottom of issues. You're an apologist, and uh, you know, you've been on a lifelong pursuit for truth, and I think in some cases, whether it was God or the enemy, I do know that all things work together for good, and I believe that God would have taken a situation like that in your life, and I believe he did, uh, to use to further you in your pursuit of truth, which you're now using today to help others, you know, seek truth in the person of Jesus Christ uh, and the radio program that God gave you and the books that you write. So I don't know. I I guess I just want to say that I don't believe that everything we could potentially see that is unexplainable would would have to be from Satan because I think God did some unexplainable things that people saw with their own eyes. Um, I just well, well let me let me address that. let me address that Neil because I I certainly agree with you that we don't take everything unexplainable and say that it must be the devil uh, but I do want to look at the fruit that would be produced from something like this from something that's unexplainable because in the vision that you're talking about from scripture of course this is an image of God in the heavenly realm, in the angelic realm, as they're worshiping God and bringing glory to him. If I saw an image like that, I wouldn't assume that that came from the devil. But I have to ask myself, would God actually create an image that would tend to further the perception that there's uh, th- this this otherworldly sure. existence and the UFOs and and creating the very same kind of cigar shaped type type image that is so commonly perceived to be space aliens from other planets would God use an image that would further a credibility in believing that there's space aliens on other planets <laughs> uh, that <laughs> doesn't seem to me yeah. that would be a, a motive of God to do that and that's one of the main so the reason I say the default okay. is the devil is not because it's an unexplained phenomenon it's because it's an right. unexplained phenomenon that produces the fruit of drawing people away from God and toward paranormal alien chasing in most cases, yes, but then again, we've probably all had conversations with people who claim to have had near-death experiences or whatever, and in most of them, I'd say like 95% of the ones I ever heard, people are always seeing this bright light and right. wanting to go to the light and stuff, but I've also heard a few incredible testimonies of people saying they came face-to-face with the devil himself, they believed, or the idea that death was real and that hell was real and they wanted no part of it, and when they were restored to life or when God gave them an opportunity to you know, come to their senses, in other words... They ran to God, and so then the question would be asked, would the devil ever produce something that would, would draw, would for, you know, so that the desire of the, 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 the man or woman who experienced that would be to run to God? And I'd say no, uh, because the devil wants to only pull us away from God. So I, don't, I guess I want, I, I want to say I don't want to give a conclusive answer on what you're saying, although in most cases I would think if the devil's going to produce something, it's going to be for deceptive purposes to pull us away from the real truth. And, and ultimately I think that's at the bottom of all of this, UFOs, extraterrestrials, and I mentioned it earlier, but the idea that, uh, that this is really just a replacement for what God has revealed to us. We keep looking for truth out there as though it exists on some other planet, and if we could just get to the truth, but the truth is Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, mm-hmm. and that uh, we need to avoid getting caught up too much in these kind of discussions. I think it, this is a valuable discussion, by the way, but that this should never be our focus because we, the truth has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus, and ultimately we need to say, God, help us understand how all this fits together, but thank you for giving us a framework of your word, which helps us to see what is real and what we can truly count on. No, and I, I could not agree with you more. And I, I just, in this particular case, with the thing that I saw, uh, it doesn't, it didn't draw me to God. It didn't draw me to pursuing God. It reinforced I wasn't a Christian at the time. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So it reinforced my belief that life can form on other planets and there's life out there. And it actually, if anything else, got me more interested in chasing the paranormal and the things that were not of God. Okay, uh, which, then I would which, say it was either unexplained natural phenomenon or demonic. That's my 
two cents. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, very interesting discussion. And I'm looking forward to next week as well, gentlemen, because uh, as we kind of get closer to the whole Halloween thing, what about the issue of ghosts and haunted houses and that type of thing? And by the way, you know, I had told you guys the UFO story this week. Wait until you hear some of the stuff that I end up revealing to you guys next week. Oh no, you are. Oh, you would. I'll tell you what. Honestly, and my my listeners know this here in Detroit, but I'll just give a little bit of a teaser. Uh, Honestly, a movie could be made of the experiences that I had growing up. You see those horror movies like Poltergeist and Amityville Horror and such. Believe it or not, I actually lived. Through most of that kind of stuff, every house I lived in was what would be stereotypically called a quote-unquote haunted house. And so I can tell you, I spent my childhood seeing people appear, disappear, things levitate, all of the kind of haunted house kind of activity. Uh, This was very much a part of my life. And no, not just during my stoner days. Uh, So we're going to talk about that next week and how as Christians we handle the issue of ghosts. And don't forget, folks, you can download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in and more. And John Rush, out of Rush to Reason in Denver. Roger Marsh, The Bottom Line, Southern California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show, out of Detroit. Gentlemen, great talking with you. Thank you so much uh, for everything that you contributed to this. I'm looking forward to next week. And let me just say, live long and prosper. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Some of you don't Manu, even know Manu. what I'm talking about. Oh, you can't be too, Neil. God bless. We'll see you. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.